Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. I'm really happy to be able to share today because um, I feel like I've got something that God's been stirring in me for the last couple of months. So um, I'm trusting that the Holy Spirit will speak to you um, through this. Um, So my title today is Being a Faithful Sower. It's going to be a fairly simple message and um, based on how this morning's gone so far, I think either Malcolm's been looking at my notes or <laughs> or the Holy Spirit is saying something. So I trust that this will be a really useful and accessible and simple message for you so that you can practically apply it to your life. Um, so to start, I want to tell you a story. <laughs> um, so, Paella. Quite a long time ago, when Benj and I were first dating... Um, we thought it'd be a nice idea to make David and Deborah a three-course meal. (laughs) Um, This was probably one of our first experiences trying to cook together and maybe one of our last. (laughs) Mildly stressful. Um, (laughs) And we weren't entirely sure where to start, so we just looked at a bunch of recipe books and I think we decided that we were going to do some sort of salad or bruschetta to start and we decided to do churros for dessert with chocolate dip. Um, which went horribly wrong and um, destroyed one of Deborah's pans. <laughs> um, but for the main, um, Benj dug out one of my old recipe books, which is called Granny's Favourite Recipes. And this book had an international section, <laughs> which included a recipe for paella, or pa- paella, depending on your pronunciation. And um, Benj suggested that we give it a go. And it must have gone well, because ever since that day, this has been Benj's signature dish. So many of you who've maybe come over for dinner, probably the first time you come for dinner, you will have had Benj's paella, because that's usually what he likes to do. However, and I know Benj won't mind me saying this, because I checked with him yesterday. Um, <laughs> Benj doesn't really do much cooking outside of this <laughs> pile of guests that's kind of that, that's fair to say isn't it yeah um he's re- he is a good cook and he's very willing to cook um but benj's version of cooking is he likes to look at all the recipe books he likes to look online try and find something extravagant he definitely doesn't like to have a budget restraining him. Um, He doesn't like to have any time restraints. Um, So he'll pick out something extravagant he wants to do, and then he'll go to a shop, preferably Waitrose, um, (laughs) get all the nicest ingredients, maybe go to the butcher's section, or (laughs) likes to get the finest things. Um, And then he'll pick out a nice bottle of wine to complement the meal, And he will come back and he'll measure everything, chop everything, put it in lots of individual bowls so that he feels like he's on a cooking program. (laughs) And then he will just, he'll put on loud jazz music usually and then he tips the bowls in at the various times. And that's the sort of cooking that Benj enjoys doing. Um, But the sort of cooking he doesn't enjoy doing is the normal everyday cooking. Um, If I say to him, we like we need to make a like you need to do a meal plan or we need a meal that's going to be kind of this sort of budget or take this length of time um he doesn't particularly enjoy doing that or if I say this is a particular dish I want you to do he doesn't really enjoy doing that and um in his own words he'll say I just think you're much better at that (laughs) which is his way of saying he doesn't really want to do it (laughs) um 
so he yeah he's not a big fan of the everyday meals it's the sort of mundane everyday cooking that you've got to do but you don't really get any sort of glory or recognition for um and a couple of months ago I was thinking a little bit just about my own conversations with colleagues at work um about the people that I was praying for and the situations I was in and I was praying about it and I was like I was just feeling this eagerness just to see them saved um and I, I think if I look back now, I was starting to get a tiny bit impatient. <laughs> um, I really, really wanted to see them receive Christ. I really, really wanted to have an for God to create an opportunity where they would be like, yes, I'm ready, um, and I'd be able to lead them to Christ. Um, but it just didn't feel like that was happening. Um, and I was mulling this over, and as I was thinking about it, I just felt God saying to me... Um, it made me think about Benj's paella and Benj's um, hate of everyday cooking. And I felt him challenging me and telling me that I was putting a little bit too much focus on um, maybe the glory role um, leading someone to Christ. So one thing I say whenever Benj is making paella or if he's making uh, extravagant dishes, I say that he's doing the glory cooking because it's the sort of cooking that you get praise and recognition for and um, is really um, impressive to people. Um, it's not the sort of boring stuff that you don't really get noticed for. Um, and I found God telling me that I've just been focusing a little bit too much on getting somebody over the line and I was neglecting the seeds that God was telling me to sow in the everyday. And I think that's where sometimes our motivation can get a little bit skewed because in the back of our minds, we might be thinking, oh, if I do this, then maybe they'll want to receive Christ. Maybe if I say this, or maybe if I just befriend that person and we can do this activity together, then maybe at some point they'll they'll want to receive Christ. And uh, I'm not saying that a, a desire to see people saved is bad at all because um we have as julian shared this morning as well we we have been commissioned um we have a commission from god as matthew 28 tells us to go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit so i 100 percent believe that we should have a focus on that mission However, sometimes I think we might put too much focus or pressure on getting somebody to pray the prayer that we forget the significance and importance of our everyday, normal, seemingly mundane actions and words and conversations. And I think in all of this, I, I shared a little bit at Catalyst and about this, um, our motivation needs to be love. Our motivation needs to be this overwhelming, compelling love that God puts in us by his Holy Spirit. Or even worse, worse than kind of having that focus on just getting someone over the line, is becoming so intimidated by the thought of leading someone to Christ that you just don't even do anything. <laughs> you don't want to do anything at all. So in this morning, in this time, I just want to uh, encourage you not to neglect the normal everyday opportunities, but to be faithful with what God has asked you to sow today um, in the place where God has positioned you. So to do this, I'm going to go through three questions that I've been asking myself and speaking to God about over the last few months. So the first question is what can I sow today? I was speaking to someone recently about this and 
they were expressing about how they they felt like they weren't doing a very good job as a Christian, um, that they weren't doing a very good job reaching out to people um, or sharing the gospel. In the season of life they're in, they just felt really frustrated because um, they're just so busy. They don't have enough time to get out and meet people. Um, they just didn't feel like they were doing what they had been commissioned to do. They were failing in some way as a Christian, not morally at all, but purely just feeling like they weren't doing enough of the activity. Um, and what I said to this person and what I want to share today is that God works with us in every season we're in. And God works with us um, whatever our capacity is at the moment, because we one person's capacity is going to be different to another's. So this is why it's important that we don't, look at comparing each other and thinking oh, well that person's like doing all this and running around and you know they might have a lot more time in this season and um there's no condemnation if you can only do what the small thing that God's asked you to do because God can use us all where we're at and he gives us opportunities to sow seeds no matter how small we can simply ask the Holy Spirit to lead us in our everyday normal lives and to highlight those opportunities to sow seeds along the way. It's as simple as that. Um, I was really encouraged as well about what Steve shared last Sunday about um, you you went on a run or something, didn't you? And someone interrupted you because they were in pain and um, you had an opportunity to pray for them. And I just want to encourage you, just seize those opportunities when they come along um, be willing to be interrupted. Um, it might be a small thing. It might be a big thing, um, but and they might not. It might not be like they receive Christ on the spot. Um, but you're planting a seed that God can then work with for the future. A seed, on the face of it, is something very small and ordinary, but it has the potential to grow into something extraordinary. So what you have to sow today might be small and ordinary but it has the potential to grow and to produce a great harvest um there's many examples in the bible of um miracles where god takes something ordinary and uses it for extraordinary purposes um things or people um malcolm shared one this morning so in exodus 4 we have god sending moses back to pharaoh to bring his people out of egypt and when moses asked for a sign um god asks him what's in his hand and he's got this wooden staff um, and to Moses that was just a wooden stick um, but to God it was an instrument that he was going to use to perform signs and miracles. In John 6 we've got the situation where Jesus is challenged to feed 5,000 and all the disciples can find is this young boy's lunchbox. I'm sure he didn't actually have a box but lunch. <laughs> five loaves and two fishes in the natural it's just an ordinary lunch but God was able to use it to feed a multitude in 2 Kings 4 we've got the widow who was in debt and Elisha asks her what she's got in her home and all she has is this small jar of oil and so they gather lots of empty jars and um, pour oil into them and the oil keeps flowing until all the jars are full and then she's able to sell the jars and pay off all her debts. So if we transfer that principle to just the everyday seeds that you can sow to lives around you, a seed can be as simple as giving someone a smile, someone who's having a hard day in the shop, just giving them a kind word or 
um, encouragement or listening to someone, just maybe giving someone a cooked meal, offering to babysit, um, praying for someone, um, even the just the offer of praying for someone I think is really significant, but then actually praying for them as well is amazing. Um, a testimony you can share to build someone up. There's so many different things that you can sow. And they might seem like small things in the natural, small things that you do. If you think about your last week, you might think, oh, I've done loads of those things this week. Um, but consciously asking God, what, um, what is it you, you want me to do in this moment? What is it you want me to do today? And seeing the value and the importance of every, all those little things that you do and seeing how God can use it. We all have something to say. Um, there's no one in this room who is too busy um, or lacking anything. Um, we've all got something we can sow. So my next question, what happens to my seed? I think this can be a challenge for us. It's definitely been a challenge for me. Often um, I might meet people or be in situations where I've said something to someone or I've prayed with someone and um, I never know what the outcome is. <laughs> I never know what happens after. Um, I don't know if it impacted them. I don't know whether they eventually found Christ. I, I, just, I have no idea. Um, and you may never know what happens to the seed that you've deposited, um, but that's not a reason not to sow it. <laughs> um, just because you might not have the opportunity to follow up because you might have not have the opportunity to see how that seed is going to grow. Um, that doesn't mean you, it's not important or worth sowing. Um, please turn to... I think if if you're going to take anything away from what I shared today, it'll be this, ver this these verses. So 1 Corinthians 3, 5 to 7. Is there anyone who fancies reading? <laughs> Alex is shaking his head <laughs> perfect to pick on <laughs> alright 1 Corinthians 3, 5-7 yep. do you want the mic? after all who is Apollos? who is Paul? we are only God's servants through whom you believed the good news each of us did the work the Lord gave us I planted the seed in your heart and Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. Thanks, Matt. Throughout our lives, we're going to meet lots of different people um, at lots of different stages in their journey to discovering Christ. We might meet people who are really close to finding Jesus and we do get that opportunity to um, to help them find him and discover him. Um, and it's just a few more steps. We might meet people who are really far from Jesus and have zero interest. Um, we might meet people who are really hurt and have a lot of baggage and a lot of questions and um, just need support working through stuff. Um, but our role is just to sow the seeds. Um, it's God that makes things grow. As seed sowers, we need to trust that um, whatever we sow, whatever we sow into people's lives, will take root and grow. Um, and we can pray. That's, that's such a powerful thing that we can do, which we um, can underestimate sometimes. 
the power of praying that God will cause that seed to grow and that other people may come into that person's life and water that seed. Um, our role is to give God something that he can work with. Our, God, um, our role is to give God a seed um, that he can work with and make grow. As seed sowers, we are servants with an assigned task from the Lord. Whether we give someone a hug, we pray for them, we share some encouragement, we lead them to Christ, we are first and foremost servants. There isn't a scale in heaven grading us on the seeds that we've sown and um, measuring our success, um, how many people we might have seen saved or the number of words of knowledge we've brought. Um, the most valuable an important thing that you can do for God today is exactly the thing that he's asked you to do. Um, and then he gets all the glory. <laughs> um, I'm going to share a couple of stories today. I think a few of you will have heard this, and I shared these at Catalyst as well. Um, during my first week of work at Jules, I was driving to a meeting in Stoke-on-Trent with two of my colleagues, Nicola and Ellie, and um, they were talking about how they, um, I, I think what Ellie was thinking about buying a house or something, and um, were having a conversation about how challenging it is to save up a deposit, and had this whole conversation, and um, in my head I was like, well... I, I know I've got a story about that. I, I didn't consciously think God is telling me to say this right now. It was just an opportunity to share a little bit about my life. And um, so I shared with them um, the story about how Benj and I um, came to buy our home, which um, many of you will know, um, kind of long story short, we felt that God was telling us to buy a house and how long was the period of time it took us to get the deposit? We, we reserved it. We had no money. And then it was about three weeks it took us um, to get the full deposit, um, just gifted from a variety of different places. Um, and we were able to buy our home. And um, so I shared this story. And it wasn't overly spiritual. I just said, this is what we felt God wanted us to do. We prayed about it. And this is what happened. Um, they had quite different reactions, so Nicola was very shocked. <laughs> Hadn't heard of anything like that before. She was really um, surprised and amazed. Um, Ellie, who did actually have a Christian background, was very negative, very sceptical. Um, so to be completely, that was kind of the conversation ended. Um, so to be completely honest, I didn't think much of it. I didn't consciously think I'd done anything special. Um, I wasn't thinking, oh, there's a seed planted. <laughs> Success. <laughs> I was just being transparent with my life, um, talking through my experiences with my colleagues. And it was very simple, and it wasn't mentioned again after. Um, about three months later, one of my other colleagues, Bex, she um, shares an office with Nicola, and she told me that for the last three months, Nicola had been telling everybody this story about how we'd bought our home um she hadn't mentioned it to me at all but um she told the whole design department um she'd been telling some of the clients in meetings um she told her entire family and um what felt like quite an insignificant conversation to me seemed to have spread like wildfire without me noticing <laughs> and um there seemed to be this reputation going around that I was somebody that prayed for things and sought answers to prayer. Um, 
And uh, it was a bit surprising because obviously Nicola hadn't spoken to me. And then Bex told me that Nicola had shared this story with her cousin. And then her cousin had been trying to buy a house but didn't have enough money for the deposit. And so Nicola um, shared this my, my story and just said, oh, why, why don't you just give praying a go? <laughs> Seemed to work for my colleague. Um, and so I don't, goodness knows why, but he decided to pray and to ask God for help buying a house. I assume quite a simple prayer. And um, within two weeks, her cousin won the lottery. Um, he received a tax rebate and he got a pay rise at work. So subsequently, Nicola has told everyone at work this second story and is openly confessing that maybe this prayer thing works. So I, I had no idea that telling just my story on a drive to a meeting would lead to all of that. And I can only trust that her telling that story to lots of other people are seeds that have been sown and God can work with that. Um, we just need to remember that we've got such a big, big God. And if we give him something to work with, even if it's ordinary, he can do something really extraordinary. Um I haven't written this down, but I was just remembering. Did anyone go to um, Mike and Liz Sutton Smith's seminar at Bible Week? You guys were there, weren't you? Um, I don't fully remember the story, but he was sharing a story about how he was working on a boat um, ages ago. And I think he'd been talking to someone um, on the boat about Jesus. And he said something like, if, if you ever want to know kind of the reason why you're here or something and he tore out the book of John and gave it to him and um, didn't think anything of it they kind of um, docked landed what do boats do docked (laughs) they docked the following day (laughs) and um, he didn't hear from him again um, until seven years later he got a call and this guy had tracked him down and said um, a few weeks beforehand he um, decided he wanted to know the reason why he was here and he had kept hold of that book of John that whole time and he got it out and he read it and he found a church and he gave his life to Jesus and I was so encouraged by that story because you've absolutely no idea the impact it can have when you just sow something even if it's small um and you may never find out what happens, or seven years later, you might find out that it's had a profound impact, but it's just incredible what God can do with what we sow. Finally, how should I sow? I don't think I can talk about sowing without going to Matthew 13, the parable of the sower. So I'll just skim over it quickly. (laughs) Listen. A farmer went out to plant some seeds as he scattered them across his field. Some seeds fell on a footpath and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on the shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon wilted under the hot sun and since they didn't have um, deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still, other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as they had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. 
there's a lot that we could say about that parable, but um, for this point, I just the main thing that stands out to me is that as a farmer, he's not selective with where he's scattering the seed. Um, he doesn't check to make the make sure all the conditions are correct um, before he sows. He just scatters the seed liberally. And that's how I think we should be as seed sowers. I think we should just be liberal with what God's given us to give. Um, we don't know what's going to happen to the seed. We don't know um, where people are at, but we should just be liberal and generous with what we've got to give and just trust that God's going to cause it to grow. Um, as I was preparing for this, I had another story that I shared at Catalyst about my colleague Ellie. And um, she was the one in the car um, who I was when I was telling the story about our home. And um, although she'd grown up in a Christian home, she was very skeptical about it all. And um, her heart was really hard towards Jesus. And she was always a little bit wary of me. And any time I spoke about church or Christ, she was just really negative. And I think she kind of got enough of it at home from her parents. So she just seemed a bit fed up. Um, but after a month um, of me sharing that story in the car and just being around her and talking about stuff, um, she grabbed me in the car park. I was just walking to Tesco to get some lunch and she grabbed me in the car park because she'd seen me out of her office window and um, she said, I, I really need you to pray. Um, I've, I don't know why, but I feel like God's told me I need to break up with my non-Christian boyfriend. Um, they'd been together for years and she was madly in love with him and she said, I don't know what, why I've got this feeling, but I really feel like God's telling me to do this and I, I need your help. I need you to pray for this. So I prayed with her and um, I was genuinely a bit shocked at the time because I, she was like the last person I was expecting to do that because she'd always been so negative and just not interested. Um, and over the next couple of months, there was a lot that happened and we had a lot of conversations and she ended this relationship and she went to her parents' church and she decided to give her life to Jesus. Um, and she got baptised. Ben and I were able to go to her baptism, which is really such an amazing thing. And I'm seeing her at work now, like she's just done a complete 180. She was um, messaging me last night. She's like, I really feel like God's telling me this and I really feel like we need to do this at work and I really feel like I want to think of more ways to bless people and tell people about Jesus. Like, she's just, um, it's just overflowing. She's just gushing with it. And um, she actually, at the work Christmas party in December, she um, shared uh, what she'd been going through and she'd done an alpha course as well and she was sharing this with one of our other colleagues. And um, they were like, oh, I, I want to come to church now as well. So they came to church and got saved and got baptized. <laughs> um, so it's just, it just taught me a really important lesson because um, I was having this conversation in the car with Ellie and Nicola and I hadn't, I don't think I'd been consciously talking to Ellie about stuff because I was like, oh, she's really fed up with it. Like, I don't, <laughs> don't want to give her a hard time. Um, but we shouldn't make assumptions about where people are at or what's going on in people's heart. Don't write them off and assume that they're not going to receive anything or that the seeds that are being sown aren't going to um, take root. Because um, there's a lot going on under the surface in people's lives and God is working in their hearts. And um, So I just want to encourage you to be liberal and to trust God with everything he asks you to do.
Um, finally, be faithful. Be faithful with what God has given you to sow today. Be a faithful sower. Luke 16 and 10 teaches us that when we're faithful with small things, we can be trusted to be faithful with big things. So be a servant that God can trust, that when he gives you these opportunities, that you'll take them, that you won't belittle the small things, but you'd see the value and the importance of every single opportunity. Tomorrow, you might have an opportunity to see someone saved. You might have an opportunity to lead someone to Christ. The day after, you might, um, God might just tell you, look, just go and give that person a hug. They really need it. Um, or you might be told, go go and give £20 to that person. Uh, th- who knows what God might ask you to do, but the important thing is just to be faithful and obedient with what God asks you to do today. Don't count yourself out because of the season that you're in or the capacity that you might have. Everyone in this room has got the capacity to be used by God today. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching.